Welcome to Element. If you are new, there are Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on the pina tables throughout the room. They look like this. And on the front side, you're going to get a place for notes. You're going to get the verses we are covering today. On the bottom, you're going to get a place to ask a question if you have one. On the back, it's there's a lot on the back, so it's kind of small. Pull your readers out if you're older. Uh, you're going to get a half-page recap of what we're talking about. On the bottom, you're going to get questions to talk to your friends, your family, your gospel community about. Uh, if you have a smart device, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. You click on More and then Events in Uversion. We'll come up by GPS in your smart device and you'll get sermon notes versus questions, all that goes with today's message, but don't stand yet. Uh, right before we get to prayer, we are sending a team of four people to Thailand, our church plant in Thailand this week. And I wanted you guys to be aware of it. I don't want you to think, well, why can't I go? Why don't you invite me? This is an exploratory team. The first thing we've done after COVID has been over. And so Jason, who is leading music this morning, is going. Donald, who does video for us, he is in the back. Uh, he is going to do video there. Uh, Steve and Sue Pruitt are right here in the front. And they're going to go. You can just wave. <laughs> And, and kind of what they're doing is get us a lot of footage and photos of things that are taking place. Because when they send us stuff, you know, it's on a little handheld phone that, you know, doesn't have great megapixels. And it's like, hey, look at our lake. And you're like, I don't see a lake. It's all pixelated. And, and also, we want to know what they're doing and what we can actually do to help them next year when teams are available to go. And so we're sending them to kind of explore to see what that looks like, to see what we can actually do and not be in their way. Sometimes when you go to foreign countries, missionaries want to find a way to make you feel like you're useful so they give you things to do, but we don't necessarily need to do those things. And we want to make sure when we go that we're helpful. And to spend, you know, a, a couple thousand dollars to go to Thailand, our money may be better off just helping them in different ways than they may know. So uh, Steve and Sue were uh, missionaries in the Philippines for years, and we thought they would be a great set of people to go and kind of look at what would be useful for us to do. Keep them in your prayers this week. Uh, it's You think this is muggy? <laughs> I have been to Thailand, and I'm like, I never want to go back. <laughs> Because it's like this time's 10. But just keep them in your prayers this week uh, for safety, uh, for wisdom, uh, that the gospel would be made known by how they live their lives more while that they are there, and that they would get good insight into what's actually taking place. So I want to hey, just stay with me for the reading of God's word. I'm going to pray for them as after I read God's word, because this all kinds of goes along with it today. This is Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's called the Great Commission. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask that you would help us to understand what that Great Commission is, how we are to live on mission in our lives and what that looks like in practical ways. And so in that, we ask that you would touch the different church plants that we are supporting right now, Antioch, the church plant in Thailand, and that you would keep your hand on Jason and Donald and Sue and Steve as they head off this week, that you would give them great wisdom and insight to see the things that you want them to see and to know the things that you want them to know and that their lives and our lives back here during this week would be something that really brings glory to you and that the gospel would go forward and that we would be a people who make you known in all places because of your goodness and your grace. Amen. Have a seat. 
All right. So after all that, we are doing a series at Element called Never Read a Bible Verse in hopes that you would actually read your Bible, like more than one verse and not just snippets and pieces. Now, sometimes you will hear people say, but isn't a little bit better than nothing? Sometimes, and, and sometimes not. You have probably heard this before, but if you took Matthew 27, verse 5, and Luke 10, 37, and John 13, 27, and just pieced all those one verses together, this is what you would get. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. You go and do likewise. What you are going to do, do quickly. Okay? You don't want to string verses together that are not meant to be together because it can be detrimental. And this is why we want you to read your Bible in context. If you read the beginning of the scriptures, you're going to get to a place where you see all of these Old Testament sacrifices. And if you do not get to the New Testament and read about Jesus, you're not going to understand what those Old Testament sacrifices were pointing towards. Jesus as our Messiah. He was the sacrifice God gave for our sins. There is no more animal sacrifices that are needed. You have to read it in context in order to get the whole picture. And so we have talked about multiple times during this series certain things that we need to look at. The first off is that the Bible is a library and not a single book. And so the Bible can speak from one book to another. And what that means is when we see that, we see that there's a big picture of where the Bible is going. And that is towards God's rescue of mankind, the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ. The second thing we have to understand is the Bible was written for us, but it was not written directly to us. It was written in a different culture, in a particular place, in a particular time. And so we have to understand that context. And third is that words mean things in the context in which they were written. And sometimes when we misunderstand what the Bible says, it's because we don't understand the words that were written in that particular context. Now, as time goes on, sometimes words will expand their meaning and sometimes words will contract in their original meaning. And last week, we were having this conversation in in the barn with the elders and a couple people on staff and we talked about how sometimes people have unrealistic understandings of the Great Commission and what the word mission actually means. Many of us when we hear this idea mission uh, we think oh my goodness everything is laid upon me how am I supposed to do all of this and so I thought a good never read a Bible verse would be to redefine the word mission for us talk about the Great Commission and what mission actually is especially since we're sending people to Thailand this week and and you live your normal lives every single week, so I thought it would be good to talk about. Now, if you know me, I typically write my messages pretty far in advance, and when I say last week we talked about this, I mean literally last week. I scrapped the message I was going to do today, and we put this one together instead to give this to you. God has called His people to be those who live on mission with Him for Him in the world, and it does sound difficult to accomplish because we think it requires me or you, you personally, to carry the weight of this important possible task out into the entire world and you'll feel inadequate and overburdened. So let me start kind of a little bit scary and then we'll bring this down to how it kind of makes sense for us and what God is calling us to in a practical way. Uh, Kevin DeYoung has this definition of mission. He says, the mission of the church is the task given by God for the people of God to accomplish in the world. Okay, now, it's like, wow, that sounds like a lot. In simplest terms, the mission of the church is what we started with that Jesus says, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
And you think, I've got to go into all the world, to everybody, everywhere, and I've got to baptize people? That's going to cost me a lot of money and plane tickets. That's going to be a lot of talking. I don't know if I can actually handle this. Philip Ryken says, Jesus' words are a clear, unambiguous statement of the church's mission in the world. What he means is, we are to go out and be a people who make disciples. How do we do that? We bear witness to what Jesus did as the unique Son of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. Right? I can't even, I, I, my, my mouth is so dry that I can't even whistle. There we go. See, it, it sounds like a lot. But that's because we start the Great Commission when we look at it in verse 19. The Great Commission does not start in verse 19. It starts in verse 18 where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then the Great Commission at the end says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's like Jesus is with us sandwich. We're in the middle. He's on both sides. The gospel is at the center of it all. The Great Commission does not start with our effort or our energy. It starts in the gospel. Now, I know what you're thinking. Aaron, you say this every week. Right, okay. So, you're probably thinking now, I still don't know what it means. Well, let's talk about what this means because I want to bring this down because the, it does not lay all upon you. It lays upon the church, God's people, to go and do these things. In talking about mission, I am not talking and trying to enumerate all the ways throughout the course of time that every Christian has loved their neighbor or lived a salt and light in the world. Many people will live mission differently and it's not going to look the same. How you love your neighbors in Santa Maria, California in 2020 may look different than someone in the Bronx in New York in 2022. It may look different than someone in the 18th century. It may look uh, different than a third world country. It's, it's not cookie cutter other than I would say love Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and, and follow him. Jesus' great commission, the word missions in the middle of that, goes to the whole church every single one of us together as a body. And so we have to understand that the church is a people. It is not a building. And if we think the church is a place we go and not a people that we are, we are always going to feel overwhelmed by this. The word mission is also important because mission relates directly to the church as an entire group of people. Now, if you have a Bible, open to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Now, the word mission itself does not occur in most English translations of the Bible. The word sent does, and the word sent is where we get the word mission from. As a matter of fact, the word apostles means sent ones. The Greek word for sent occurs in the New Testament 136 times. 97 of those times are in the gospel accounts, and it's used for Jesus being sent by the Father. It's used for Jesus sending the disciples and for sending us. The apostles, in the broadest sense of the term, were the sent out ones. And the first thing we understand in the term mission or missionary is that people are sent. This is what Jesus notes about his mission. Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What was Jesus sent to do? Proclaim the good news. What's the good news what do we call that? 
the gospel. Exactly. The good news is the gospel. Being on mission, engaging in mission has the connotation that we are intentional about it. We think about it. How are we interacting with the world around us? It has this idea of movement in our lives. Mission at the very least involves being sent from somewhere to somewhere else. And that doesn't mean you're hopping on a plane and going to Thailand. It could just mean the places where you live, work, and play because you are sent there. And if you know who Jesus is, we're meant to live the gospel in those places. Every Christian, no matter who we are or where we live, has been sent by God to proclaim the gospel so that people are discipled and know God better. What is discipling each other means? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us that every Christian should be able and ready to give an answer to the people in our world when they ask for the reason that, of the, for the hope that we have. Which means that people should be asking because our lives should look different. In Ephesians 2.9, it says every believer should have a life that's marked by good works. Not that those good works makes God love us, but those good works show the goodness of God and how he's been good to us. So we live that out. In 1 Thessalonians 1.8, 2 Thessalonians 3.1, it tells us that we should be doing what we do in the world intentionally to make Christ known. And the result is that the word missionary is not just those who go overseas and live in a tent and eat bugs or whatever you think that is. It's all of us, no matter where we are. Now, Kevin DeYoung kind of resets on a little bit, and this is what he says. Our fundamental identity as a church is not those who are sent into the world with the mission, but those who are called out from darkness and into his marvelous light. This goes back to the Great Commission. It starts in the gospel. So, we as a people, our identity is not mission. Our identity is children of God, saved by the gospel, and that results in us going out to be those sent ones, to be the mission. If our focus is just on the mission, we're not going to live in the gospel. When we live in the gospel, our lives will naturally go out and begin to live on mission in the world. Does that make sense? Where our focus should be first? Okay, now, never read a Bible verse context. What I want to do is give you three points with this today, because we all think it's somebody else's job. The first one is this. Mission is not just for other people who aren't us. Us, okay? <laughs> other people. In Acts 1.8, right before Jesus ascends, he will say, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. You know where we let that word witness? You know what word we get from that? Martyr. It's a great word. It's a great word. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers these people to be those witnesses and most of them will end up being martyrs for their witness. But he also empowers us today. When we forget what the mission truly is, it is good to have the reminder, what's the mission? Witness. Witness. We speak about what we know. We speak about what God has done in our lives. We glorify God. We live as his witnesses. Mission is witness. And you may think, oh, but I don't talk too good. I don't know how to use my words. I don't, I don't know what to say. Well, you know what God's done in your life. This is an interesting thing. Jesus will heal this guy who has all these demons in him. And, they all come in, and the guy's like, let me follow you. And Jesus goes, no, no. Go back to your town and tell them what I did. And you may not know a whole lot of theology, a whole lot of your Bible, but you know what God has done in you. And that's what you get to speak about as his witness. You, you know that God has loved you by saving you. And so you go out and you love others like that with your actions. You may not know a lot, but God is still growing and teaching you. Hopefully every week when you come here, you learn a little bit of something you can retain. That's why I give you sermon notes. You can write something down on it. And then you can actually share that with somebody else. 
God sent us as crazy and as messed up as we are to be as ministers in the world. Minister translates as servant, by the way, in case you don't know. We, are all, we all do ministry. We are all on mission. And Christian ministry and mission is simply taking those gifts and resources and meeting needs in Jesus' name. Mission and ministry is serving people with things as simple as our time, and our love, that we, and the things we've been learning from God, when we learn about what the gospel is, we share that with one another so we would all grow and be discipled in knowing who Jesus is. Now, if you have a Bible, open to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to give you a lot of verses today. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, again, we all like to think that mission is always somebody else's job. It's why we like to focus on professional ministers or professional missionaries. We pay those people to do the job that I don't want to do. And I do do a lot of things that you guys don't want to do, so you're welcome anyway. But it's very important to understand the principles that govern our lives all the way back to the original apostles' lives are the same ones if we consider ourselves to be this people of God. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, this is what Peter says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now, we think, oh, that's the apostles. They're the amazing ones. No, Peter says this is us. Now, why are we this? He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is what we get to proclaim, what he has done in our lives. That means we are his witnesses. We are called to mission and ministry. When we are called to Christ and ministry, we go and live on mission. And it's nothing new. This goes all the way back to when God works in mankind from the beginning. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. It's the first book in the Bible, in case you don't know. It's very easy to find, Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 12, God will show up to a pagan man named Abraham. Actually, Abram changes his name to Abraham. He becomes the patriarch of the Jewish and Christian faith. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It's like God shows up out of the blue. There's not a whole lot of preamble. Sits down for the, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? Just none of that. God just shows up. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Never read a Bible verse. Point number two, mission is how all of us are called to live. How every single one of us are called to live. One of the first things you see in Abraham's story, and similar texts in the Bible, is whenever someone meets God, they get changed to a person who begins to live on mission. When people see God as he really is, as he really is, it starts to change them. Abraham will get pulled out of his complacency. When God shows up, Abraham is 65 years old. Can you imagine? 65 years old. It's great. I'm retired. I, hey, Sarah, that's his wife. You know, what are we going to do now that life's over. Checking my social security, my 401k, da, 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 and God shows up. All right, your life's just beginning, buddy. It's like, what? 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 The modern word mission comes from this Latin word called missio. You know what it means? To be sent. Say, ah, maybe you're getting this today. You know, it's, it's telling us that when people see God as he really is, it starts to destroy that consumer mentality, our American consumer mentality, where we try to make our lives about ourselves and our own comfort. It destroys the, well, what's in this for me? And we simply become a people who go. It should dismantle all that self-centeredness and immediately begin to send us as a people who want to live on mission for him. People who say things like, well, I know Jesus, but aren't living as servants on mission, aren't living as if they really know Jesus. 
And this is what happens to Abraham. The first time Abraham meets God face to face, God's like, get off your butt. We're going to go. We're going to do great things. It's going to be amazing. I probably shouldn't have said the word butt. I'm really sorry. But let's go do great things. It's, it's going to be amazing. And you might be thinking, but that's just Abraham. That's just that guy. Well, same thing happens to Moses. First time Moses meets God face to face. Moses probably believes in God, has ideas about who God is, but God's been silent for about 400 years with those people. And so Moses probably also has all these pagan things run through his head, the things he's learned from his culture. <clears throat> Sounds like us. And then he meets God at this burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, face to face. And immediately on grasping the grandeur and holiness of God, his entire life changes. Not just in words, but in his actions. And he will stumble and fall. You'll see it throughout his life. But his whole life begins to change. And God says to Moses in that moment, go to Pharaoh. Go. He is sent as soon as he sees who God is. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Third verse in the New Testament, Luke chapter 5. I'm going to talk to you about Peter. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. He's the rock before the rock. Isn't that guy, right? Uh, Jesus comes to him, and, he's, and Peter's been out on his boat all day and night, hasn't caught anything. And so Jesus says, how'd you do? And Peter says, nothing. I haven't, it, we got no bites at all. It's like a jello convention at an old folks' home. It's all gums, no bites, nothing's happening here. It's terrible. And so Jesus says, well, go out just a little bit further and put your net down on the other side of your boat. And Peter's like, this is stupid, but okay, you asked me to, I'll go and do it. And so he goes and he does it. And they get such a huge catch of fish that the boat begins to sink. And what does Peter do? Peter gets off of that boat, goes on his knees to Jesus. When he sees this glimpse of the glory of the majesty of God under the humanity of Jesus, and he falls down, Luke chapter 5, verse 8, and he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O Lord. The first time he sees who Jesus is, he recognizes his own sin and he hates it and wants it gone. All of his self-centeredness, everything that points inward, and he begins to finally understand who Jesus is just a bit. And he begins to become undone by Jesus' love and his grace. Here's a question for you. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been in a spot where you understood the majesty and the grandeur, but also the grace and the love of Jesus in such a real way that you felt completely undone? And you're like, oh my goodness, what do I do, God? I, I, I just want to love and serve you. Well, what does Jesus do with Peter? Verse 10, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. As soon as Peter recognizes who Jesus is, falls on his face, Jesus is like, all right, I'm sending you. That's what happens right there. Calls him on mission, sends him out. Every time someone comes to see Jesus for who he really is, this is what happens. They get sent. Never read a Bible verse. Third point here. Mission is not an intangible goal. It is normal life lived in real ways. Uh, Michael Reed asked me to make sure I pointed out that it is kingdom realities, God's kingdom coming into our reality as God brings restoration. But God does bring that restoration through what he sends his people to do in the world. So you're thinking, okay, yeah, well, Peter, Moses, Abraham, those are special cases. Well, yes and no. I'll give you one more. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. If you have an element Bible, that is page 368. You're welcome. That one's harder to find. I know. So Isaiah is a prophet, and that means that Isaiah knows who God is, in case you're wondering. Uh, but he has this vision, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. 
And when he sees God high and lifted up, he is completely overwhelmed. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. See if this just sounds a little bit like Peter, okay? And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He falls down, sees his sin. He's like, woe is me. Sounds like Peter. You know what God says to him right there? God said, this is my paraphrase. I'm not going to read it. But God kind of says, I got a job for somebody. I got this people. And I want someone to go and tell them who I am. And you know what? They're not going to listen. They're going to mock you. They're going to laugh at you. They will continually resist you. But I want someone to go. And you know what Isaiah says? He gets up. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. Then I said, here I am. Send me. Do you see that? Every time someone sees who God is in his person, God sends them. And they're like, okay, I'll go, I'll go. They lose their consumer mentality. They say, I will risk, I will sacrifice, I will go, I'll do whatever it takes to meet those people in that need where they are. I will talk about who you are to them. And you're probably thinking, but Aaron, I'm not Moses. And my response is, good, you haven't murdered anybody yet. Okay? You might be thinking, but I'm not Peter. Good. You haven't chopped anybody's ear off yet. But I'm not Abraham. Great. You haven't tried to pimp out your spouse yet. Okay? There's, I mean, these weren't the best people in the world, but when they saw who God was, it changed their lives. Do you understand that God will never bless you except to make you a blessing? And today, we run around, oh, hashtag bless, it's so great. Oh, God is being so good to me. Okay, great. He's been so good to you. How are you giving that away? How are you giving? Because that's the principle. God doesn't send you out with, for, without first blessing you, and God never blesses you except to make you a blessing to somebody else. That's the sentence. That's how you know you're doing with the real God and not a figment of your imagination, because it's not about you. It's about Him and His glory and being sent on mission. John chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus is praying to the Father. It's before the crucifixion, and Jesus says this, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He's talking about his disciples and ultimately us in the middle of that prayer. But what does Jesus show? He went first. He is the one who went first. Him. And that means he is going to walk with us through his spirit as we live on mission in the world for him. There has never been a person in the world on mission like Jesus. And if you're honest and look at Jesus' life, you have to understand, if and when you live on mission, it's not all cookies and ice cream. It's not. Sometimes things get really hard, and you've got to be prepared to lose certain things in your life. In some cases in our world today, to be a public Christian means you're going to make someone mad. It really does. As soon as you start to identify yourself with Jesus and his mission, instead of being a private little Christian, oh, it's just between me and God, oh, this is all that it is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rock the boat. When you stop thinking only about your needs, you're going to find that it costs you. It really does. And if we're not willing to take risks and open our mouths, even though someone may want to cancel you or make fun of you and laugh at you or open your wallet, and don't worry, this isn't a message on giving, though I guess it could be a little bit. Um, if we we're not willing to start use our gifts and spend our time and, and let it cut into our weekends or our lifestyle or our vacations, we're only not, not just listening to Jesus' instructions. We're not really looking at who he is and what he calls us to in our lives. You know, it's interesting, even as simple, something simple as this. A few weeks ago, Sarah put these th ways to volunteer at Element. And when I say mission, I'm not just talking volunteering at Element, okay? But you put these things on everybody's chair and talked about, you know, how we need some help around here. You know, at the end of all of that, she had two people sign up. It's crazy. 
because we have like, you know, I understand your lives are busy. I get that. And I'm not saying you just have to serve at Element. What I'm saying is when we're sent on mission, we look for places to use the gifts that God has already blessed us with. And if I can be blunt, not that I'm not always blunt, but it's not just that we're not listening to God, that it's not, we're not like him at all. Because God became flesh to save us. Jesus comes as a servant to rescue his people. You will not be a blessing to anybody else unless you're willing to lose your self-centered life and give up some of your things and really, even in the end, give up the love of how people see you. God says, I am sending you to be a blessing. You might lose things, but I will bless you. And I don't mean this to sound like a formula, but sometimes people say, oh, I just want more of God in my life. Well, okay, you want more of God in your life? Live for him in great ways on mission. Do that. Do that. Simple as that. When Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, that is not like when we go to a sports game and we witness what's happening. Oh, look at that. Witness is actually living out in the world on mission. Throughout the Bible, you see ordinary people who God empowers to do extraordinary things because the life of God is living in and through them. They are God's representatives to the people in the world in which they live. Does God believe that normal people are more than just spectators or consumers? Yes, he does. Because he has empowered us with his spirit to live for him in the world, we get to share his saving life with the world. Even if that world is the world of your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors. There is an amazing thing that God is calling all of us to. And it is not protesting. It's not holding up signs. It's not an angry debate. It's not posting things online to get everybody all worked up. It is us in our life where we realize the bondage that we were in, entangled by our sin, that we had a hell that we put ourselves into. And Jesus came and pulled us out of our personal hell that we had jumped into and set us free. And now we are part of his blessed children and we get to love and live in his spirit, in the world, in a way that shows that we are redeemed. And we get to be his witnesses in the world. We get to do what he did by being his hands and feet to the world, empowered by him. Mission is witnessing. Mission is living. And, it's, and it becomes intentional. Let me witness to what God has done in my life. I have encountered the living God. And this is how I now live. Now, going back to what we were talking about, the whole conversation started with the understanding of this idea of mission. And we were talking about some of our GC leaders and how sometimes they feel overwhelmed because it feels like the bar is so high. I've got to find a mission. We've got to find something to do. Well, we've got to do this or that, thinking they have to go find out something to do. Like, oh, we fed the homeless. Mission is done. Oh, we painted that house. We did mission. Or we took that person a meal. You know, we, we did mission. Can those things be part of our mission? Sure. Sure, but mission is simpler and it's so much deeper than that. Mission is that we are making disciples in the world. So, is that Bible studies and memorization and mentorship? Sure, it could be all of those things and it's part of it. But what is it really? It is as we begin to understand the gospel... Even if it's in small ways, we share that with one another. And as we do, as we're in one another's lives, that helps them to begin to grow as well, to understand the gospel, to practically live their lives through the lens of what the gospel looks like in our lives every day. We come alongside one another to help one another to grow in Christ. And that means as God leads us, we lead one another. And, the, and this is great because the person who's been a Christian two seconds has something to teach the Christian who's been a Christian for 70 years. It could just be how to be excited about Jesus again. I don't know. But, but they have something to teach. They do. 
because we get to walk alongside one another. So ask yourself, in the relationships that you have, whether it's in a gospel community or not, which ones are life-giving? Not just, not just, oh, which ones make me feel good about myself, but which ones grow you? Which ones stretch you? Which ones are you encouraging other people? Where do you first look to give before you receive? In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it has this whole section about the gospel, and this is what it says. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Much closer attention, that literally kind of translates as obsessed over. Let us be a people who are obsessed over the good news of the gospel and what God has done in our lives. N.T. Wright, when he talks about the gospel, he says it like this. How can you live with the terrifying thought that the hurricane has become human, that fire has become flesh, that life itself came to life and walked into our midst? Christianity either means that or it means nothing. It's either the most devastating disclosure of the deepest reality in the world or it's a sham, a nonsense, a bit of deceitful play acting. Most of us, unable to cope with saying either of those things, condemn ourselves to live in a shallow world in between. Because we will not say, oh, the gospel is everything I've got to live for this center of my life. I'm going to talk to everybody about this. So like, I don't want to do that. But we also don't, also don't want to say it's nothing. And so we live in this shallow in-between. And we need to be a people who realize what the gospel is and live in that great good news. Living on mission is when we see what Christ has done, understand how it changes us, then live our lives out as we reflect that good news in each other's lives. And it is simple, and it's compelling, and it will be extremely difficult if our lives are not centered on Christ himself. Guys, don't let our culture, church culture, your fears and anxiety, or your complacency define mission. We let God define mission. And so we share the good news of what he has done. The beginning of the book of Hebrews says it like this. Uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, not his sins, our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is how we know that Jesus has the final word on what the gospel is. Because when we say the gospel, it's not just any good news. When we say the gospel, it's the good news of what Jesus did. And the good news leads us to our mission. This is the beauty of what God does. The reason Jesus can bring the ultimate truth is he is the God of truth, and he is the one who has every right to send us on mission. Do you guys know what, what Element's mission statement is? We exist to glorify God by teaching and living out the scriptures, by turning community into gospel community and planting churches. That's what we do. So what we want to do is we want to not just teach the scriptures, we want to live out those scriptures in our lives. We want to take the normal communities and friendships that we have and understand them in light of the gospel because when they become gospel-centered communities, they will be discipleship communities where we are discipling one another. And what we also want to do is go out and start to plant churches that do that same thing. This is what we see as a mission as the body of element. But what takes place in that is you and me living as a people on mission in our lives. And again, I, I hope I was able to help clarify what that word mission means because sometimes we think it's everything in the entire world lays upon me. No, God has a church in the entire world and he uses all of us together as his people to be those who live on mission wherever they are. But that means in you, in your life, where you are, you get to live on mission. 
in the places where you live, work, and play. And sometimes, yes, God does call people. I think it's amazing when he calls people to go to another place in the world to talk about that and send that. And we love that. That's beautiful. But it is not just for those people. It is for every single one of us. Mission is not intangible. Mission is very tangible for every single one of us because we are beginning to live out what God is already doing in us. We speak about that. We love one another in ways that point them back to the gospel. And this is why every week we bring you to the place of communion. So when your whole life gets all out of whack during the week, we come to this place that resets us and reminds us of what Jesus did. We get reminded of the gospel. It's why you take that cracker and you break it like Christ's body was broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice as a reminder of what he did. The good news of the gospel. He took our sin upon himself. He gives us his righteousness. He takes our death. He gave us his life. And we get to go out into the world and speak of that good news. We get to live that by how we love one another. We get to come alongside one another and reset one another when we see each other kind of running off crazy directions. And I got to tell you, my wife did that for me yesterday. I was, she's like, oh my goodness, you are in a bad mood. <laughs> and I'm like, I am? I'm like, I don't even notice, right? And you need people to be able to do that in your life. That's part of discipling as well. Hey, wake up. <laughs> oh, it's me. You know, we, we do that for one another and steer one another back to the good news of the gospel. Because when we understand the gospel, we don't have to walk around in shame, hanging our head because we reacted a certain way. God still loved us and saved us in spite of that. And so we come back and say, okay, I'm going to try and live as a child of God, understanding the gospel first and foremost in all that I do. And that's what resets us. That's what brings us back. We are a people on mission. Our mission is to disciple one another and share the gospel of Jesus Christ by how we live, by what we say, by what we do. If you need prayer, maybe you're just still totally confused by that and you want someone to pray with you and talk about that, talk to Sarah at the Welcome Center. She will connect you with some of us and we'd love to be able to pray with you about that. We are a people who also give, and that's why there's offering boxes next to all the doors. We give because God gave so much to us. Giving is part of our worship. We don't pass a plate. It's always a response because in giving, we get to help people go to other countries and people in our own community and do all of these things so that we can be a people who live on mission by our generosity as well because our God has been generous. And then I encourage you to take those sermon notes. Again, it's written small on the back, so grab your readers if you need them, and kind of walk those because in there, there's some questions and there's some practical things then to try this week. Maybe this month, maybe the rest of your life, you kind of try those things that are in there because we want to be a people who walk alongside one another, live on mission by glorifying God because when we come to trust who Jesus is, somebody typically spoke into our lives about that. And so we want to do the same thing for others. Love, disciple, worship Jesus in all we are and all that we do. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask that you would take and move us to be a people who understand mission better. That we can be very honest when we hear certain words that have been thrown around for a very long time. We, we kind of lose the context and the meaning of it. And so I ask that today that this understanding of the word mission would come alive to us, that we'd get a deeper understanding of what you are calling us into, that we get to see that you were the one who first came, that as the Father sent the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, so we are sent empowered by that Spirit into the world.
have us not be overwhelmed with the word mission or the word discipleship or the word witness. But have those become something that become very dear and near to our hearts. Have it be something we're excited about. To be able to speak of the grace that you are doing in our own lives. And that you have sent us out into this world where we live to make you known in practical ways. I ask that you teach us to understand not just how you love us, but also the glory and grandeur of who you are in your person. And that we would then be those who come like Peter and Isaiah and like Moses and Abraham and are just simply undone by who you are. And we would want to go out and speak about who you are. That would be the greatest desire of our heart to make you known. Not ourselves. But that we don't live for our own glory. We live for yours. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen. So we drop uh, the blinds. Just take a couple moments and ask God right now. It may be scary. God, who do you want me to go to right now? Who are you sending me to? If, if you don't know who Jesus is, you haven't trusted him with your life, well, we'd love to be able to pray with you about that this morning. But if you are a believer, ask God, where are you sending me right now? Have him reveal to you what that is. And then, in his strength, go. Go. You might have all these ideas. Well, it's gonna, this is going to happen, or that's going to happen, or this is... You know what? Let God be God. And you just go. And then see what he does in the midst of that. It could be like Isaiah. It, you might just get laughed at, or someone may not listen to you at all. But, it could be like Peter... When he goes out, people are like, oh my goodness, this is the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is amazing. And so we go when God calls us to go because he's good. So ask him right now, God, who are you sending me to? And then come and take communion, come and sing a couple songs with us, head out into the world, and be a sent people living on a mission.